You're about to hear my conversation with Tobam CEO Eve Shuifati. We talk all about Bitcoin, including why he opened the first open-end Bitcoin fund in 2017, some of the characteristics of it, Bitcoin, and he dispels some myths. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnurr, and I'm delighted to be here with Eve Shuifati. Eve is the CEO of Tobam. Eve, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I've invited you here to really dive into one subject, and that's Bitcoin. Uh, Eve, I know that you were the first in the world to launch an open-ended Bitcoin fund. Uh, And maybe we should start with just the motivation behind opening that product, as well as the investment thesis behind Bitcoin in general. Okay. So it all started uh, when, in 2013, I realized that a few uh, mathematicians that uh, work for Tobam, Tobam has a team of 21 mathematicians, and a few of them were investing in a new mathematical object Mm. called the Bitcoin. This was in 2013. And realizing it, it was a few of them. We uh, organized a monthly uh, Bitcoin dinner at Tobam. This dinner always and systematically took place in a pizzeria. I guess you understand why. Uh, and uh, during this dinner, the idea was to share our respective experiences in that new field. And it's during one of those dinners in 2016 that I, do, I told uh, the others that there was one characteristic of the Bitcoin that was improving year after year. It was its liquidity. Between mm. 2013 and 2016, the liquidity of the Bitcoin was multiplied by a factor of 1,000, not 1,000%, mm. 100,000%. Right. And I told my colleagues, if this is going to continue, a time will come at which even the very large clients of Tobam could begin to consider investing in cryptos. And this is why we decided to launch to launch uh, what we have called the Crypto Research Group at Toba. And uh, uh, we have decided to dedicate a few uh, researchers to that new field. The first uh, job I gave this group was to write an investment thesis on the Bitcoin. Mm. After a few months of work, uh, we were able to finalize the thesis. We decided to present it to the French regulator. And after a bit of discussions, very constructive with the French regulator, they authorized us to launch uh, what was the first open-ended Bitcoin fund in the world. And we stayed uh, the only open-ended fund invested in Bitcoin in the world until some asset management companies in Canada joined us. Mm-hmm. This was in November 2017. Right. Wonderful. Um, thanks for, for that explanation. Very interesting that you uh, found a, members of your team on 2013. Uh, that would be very early in Bitcoin uh, days. Um, I'm curious, you, you mentioned that you wrote a, the investment thesis for the French regulators. Give me a summary of that investment thesis. What do you, what do you like about the characteristics of Bitcoin? What do you find interesting about, uh, about the asset class? Yeah. In fact, the investment in summary 
the investment thesis in summary is that we believe at Tobam that uh, Bitcoin has a fundamental characteristics and the empirical characteristics that could make of it potentially a new international standard for the measurement of value. Hmm. Uh, the most important word in this sentence is potential. I'm absolutely not saying that today the Bitcoin is a standard measurement of value. If it was already a standard measurement of value, its price would be probably north to three to five million dollars a bitcoin. Right. I am saying that it has the quality to potentially become one. You know, investing is always about an unrealized potential. Whenever you invest, you should not invest in something which is already realized, but into in something that could potentially realize a potential. If you believe, if you are able to build up an investment thesis showing that the price of a, an Apple stock could be $5,000, sure. you should not wait for this $5,000 to happen in order to invest. So investing is always about a potential which is not yet realized. Great. Um, and, uh, and what are the qualities um, that give you a uh, the thesis that it might it has the potential to become an international standard of value so we have uh, identified uh, six fundamental characteristics uh, the bitcoin is not alterable it's not forgeable it is difficult to seize it's not manipulated by a central authority it is non-inflationary mm. and it is exchangeable Maybe you want me to elaborate on, on some of them? Sure, yes. The three, the three first qualities, the fact it's not alterable, it's not forgeable, it's difficult to seize, are provided to the Bitcoin by the blockchain technology. You know, both of the Bitcoin and blockchain were introduced by a, an unknown person known as uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm -hmm. He wrote a white paper uh, in 2008 describing what could be the Bitcoin and the blockchain. Uh, in order to imagine what is the blockchain, you need to ima imagine an immense planet. Not a planet the size of Earth, not a pla planet the size of Jupiter, but a planet the size roughly of the Milky Way. Okay. So an enormous planet. In this enormous planet, you need to replace every single atom of the planet by a safe. And every single safe you can access it two ways. Either you have the public key. If you have the public key of the safe, you can open a small window of the safe and look at how many bitcoins you know, the, the safe contains. Or you can add a few bitcoins to the safe. If you have the private key of the safe, you can open the door of the safe and take the bitcoins that are contained in the safe and put them in another safe. In order for this gigantic planet to work in safe conditions, you need computation power. And in order to have the computation power, you need to reward the computation power. And the inventor of the Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, imagine in order to reward those who are lending their computation power, those guys are called the miners. Mm -hmm. In order to reward the miners, Satoshi Nakamoto imagined a lottery. A lottery that takes place every 10 minutes. And at the end of every period of 10 minutes, a miner is chosen randomly and gets an award in Bitcoin. So at the end of the first 10 minutes, somebody 
obtained 50 bitcoins. At the end of the next 10 minutes, another person gets 50 bitcoins, and so on for a period of four years. And every four years, you have a specific event that takes place, which is called a halving. And the 50 became 25 right. for, five, for four years. And after that, it was 12 and a half. And now, since uh, one year ago, it's 6.25 bitcoins. This series of numbers, 50, 50, 50, 50, 25, 25, 25, 6, uh, 12 and a half, 25, and 6, 25, 6, 25, 6, 25, is named in, in mathematics a geometric series. A geometric ser series, which term is lower than one, converts. And if you add all of the members of this converging geometric series, you obtain 21 million. And this is the value proposal of the Bitcoin. In order to understand the Bitcoin, you know the Bitcoin is like a car. You have two ways to understand a car. Sure. Either you say a car is a box with four wheels, a fifth wheel, an accelerator, a brake, an engine and a tank, and you understand what is a car. Or you start with the first principle of thermodynamics, and it will take you about 30 years to explain what is a car. Right. The Bitcoin is the same. The simple value proposal of the Bitcoin is one sentence. There is 21 million Bitcoins. Mm. And this is the enormous invention of Satoshi Nakamoto. It's a real innovation, disruptive innovation, when compared to all the previous standard measurement of values. Yeah? You know, I usually say that Nakamoto has two fathers. The first the father of Satoshi Nakamoto is Friedrich Hayek. Okay. Friedrich Hayek is a Nobel Prize of Economy. Right. We wrote a book in 1975, which I really invite you to read. The book title is Denationalization of Money. And the thesis that Friedrich Hayek exposes in this book, it is that whenever a group of people benefits from the monopoly of many issuance, one day or another, they will abuse this monopoly. Right. And this abuse will result into enormous crisis, crisis uh, during which millions of lives are taken and tens of years of development are lost. And uh, he believed that we should, in a, in a way, get rid of this monopoly mm. of money issuance. The second father of Satoshi Nakamoto is William of Ockham. William of Ockham is a Franciscan monk of the 12th century who invented Ockham's razor. Ah. Ockham's razor, also known as the principle of parsimony, is a philosophical principle by which whenever you have two solutions to a problem, you should always choose the simplest solution. Right. If your problem is that you need to sit down, you should invent the chair and not the Mercedes-Benz. Excellent. Um, so thank you for expanding on on some of those qualities. Uh, it sounds like it, it, certainly on the last piece that the lack of debasement that's available on uh, on Bitcoin is a key feature to it. I know that uh, many commentators have uh, uh, made the analogy that it's digital gold. Would you would you agree with that analogy? Do you think that that sort of hits uh, the nail on the head? Well, you know, for years and years, I was saying that if you need to understand the Bitcoin, you need to understand that the Bitcoin is simply gold and batter. It's only recently that I changed my mind. Okay. 
I believe that the Bitcoin is not gold in better. I believe it is gold, which is Bitcoin in worse. Uh, you know, uh, whenever I look at uh, the history of economy, I realize that the economy is in a way working along the way of a quest for a new standard measurement of value. The history of economy is a long quest to a standard measurement of value. Mm. And the first uh, way to measure value in, uh, during the period before agriculture, it was probably arrow ends in stone. Okay. And we have discovered huge amounts of those that were accumulated, and their accumulation cannot be explained uh, for another mean than savings right. and storage of value. When those ends of arrows in, uh, in a stone became easier to produce because of technology, we migrated to a new standard, and it was a standard of agricultural goods. Even nowadays, you still have uh, some Maasai tribes in Kenya uh, that measures the value of things using numbers of cows. Mm -hmm. When agricultural goods became easier to produce, we needed to migrate uh, to a new standard, and the new standard was, was the era of precious metals. Sure. The first precious metal was probably iron or brass. Then when iron and brass became easier to produce, we went to silver. When silver became easier to produce, we went to gold. It's very important to realize that whenever people have the perception that the standard measurement of values become easier to produce, uh, they will need to find a substitute to the current standard measurement of value. Um, but that leads me uh, very obviously to the next uh, question, I guess, where we are in unprecedented times with monetary authorities um, increasing uh, supplies of money. Uh, we, we see a, a lot of fiscal monetary support. Uh, how much, uh, it, and it, it seem, seemingly never easier to create money. Uh, how much is that uh, a motivating factor behind uh, your, your thesis on Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, it's true that uh, this is the main difference between the Bitcoin and the dollar and the Bitcoin of, and any other standard measurement of value. You know, uh, during the 20th century and until 2008, uh, the money supply uh, in dollar terms increased by about uh, 4% a year on average. Okay. Since 2008, the money supply is increasing at an average rate of about 20% a year. Wow. Uh, so the dollar is enormously inflationary. You're going to tell me that still there is no inflation. Of course, there is no inflation because we don't measure inflation properly. What is the biggest cost of any family in Canada, in the US, or in France? It's not real estate. The biggest cost is taxes. Sure. And uh, public expenditures has increased enormously. Uh, in the last uh, 60 years. In 1958, public expenditures in France used to represent 20%, 22% of the GDP. Mm. Today, 62% of the GDP, and it is not counted in inflation. Right. Okay. The previous standard measurement of values, the, what is the ancestor of the US dollar? The ancestor of the US dollar is the Roman denarius, okay. uh, the currency of the Roman Empire. Yeah. During centuries, every coin of denarius used to contain four grams of silver. A 
And one day the Romans said, after all, we are the Roman Empire. After all, this is a denarius. We are going to terminate the Bretton Woods Agreement. And they started including less and less silver in each of their coins. And towards the end of the empire, each coin used to contain 0.1 drum of silver. Right. I don't need to tell you that there was hyperinflation at that time. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's maybe turn to some of the risks uh, uh, that face Bitcoin. I mean, it, it, you've laid out a very compelling case uh, for the asset class, um, but there are uh, certain features of Bitcoin that you see emphasized in the press or, or, or observed in general. And maybe the, the largest one is, is simply the volatility uh, that's behind it. Uh, do you think that the very uh, the very high volatility of Bitcoin is an impediment to uh, widespread uh, acceptance of it as a unit of value? Yes, of course. Uh, the volatility of, a bit of the Bitcoin is, is extremely dangerous. Uh, I usually start all my presentations by a warning on the volatility of the Bitcoin. Mm. You need to understand, as I told you, that the Bitcoin is not yet standard measurement of value. It only has the potential to become one. Right. So in fact, the volatility would be an impediment for it to be a standard measurement value, but not for it to be to have the potential of becoming a standard way of I measuring see. value. You know, uh, Bitcoin is like uh, Amazon in 1996. Hmm. In 1996, what was worth Amazon? A trillion or a few dozens of millions or even zero? Sure. Uh, the, the uncertainty towards the future of the Bitcoin is what, in fact, justifies its volatility. Mm. The volatility of the Bitcoin will lower. You know, there are three parameters for the Bitcoin. Its price, its volatility, its correlation to the other assets, and its adoption. And those four, um, four, uh, four parameters are incredibly linked to one another. The more the adoption of the Bitcoin will increase, mm -hmm. the more its price will increase. Because remember, there is only 21 million of right. it. And we are about 8 billion on the surface of planet Earth. Okay, So the link between adoption and the price is obvious. The higher the price will go, the lower its volatility will get, slowly. Huh? The Bitcoin is much less volatile than what it used to be six years ago. Sure. And it's probably today much more volatile than what it will be six years from here. Mm. Huh? There is one characteristic of the Bitcoin that, in my opinion, will remain stable. It is its lack of correlation with the other assets. Mm. I really, it's very difficult for me to imagine a scenario in which the, the correlation of the Bitcoin to the other asset increased too much. So there is one merit of the Bitcoin that will stay safe in my mind. It is that the Bitcoin will remain a diversifier. You know that I was interviewed by the French Senate four years ago. Uh, so they invited me to the Senate in order to interview me on the, on the Bitcoin. Mm. A commission uh, was interviewing me. Okay. And uh, the chair of the commission told, asked me about the risk of the Bitcoin, telling me, what do you think about the risk of the Bitcoin? It's huge. I told him, yes, you're right. The risk of the Bitcoin is huge. The Bitcoin is like chlorine. Chlorine is a combat gas. It's extremely dangerous. And the Bitcoin is very dangerous, very risky. 
But if you add a drop of chlorine in water, you will have drinkable water. Mm. And for the Bitcoin, it is the same. If you add roughly between 1% and 3% of Bitcoin to a diversified fund, you're going to decrease the volatility of this fund by the merit as a consequence uh, for its diversification, uh, for its increased diversification. Great. Uh, it make, makes a lot of sense on on uh, the projections for volatility and, and the uh, how well it can work within a portfolio. Um, just a few other risks that I want to run through maybe more quickly uh, to get your opinion on them. Uh, I often hear that quantum computing could potentially be a risk for blockchain or the ability to to somehow hack into uh, to Bitcoin. Is that overblown or, or do you uh, do you share that fear? No, I, I really don't share this fear. You know, the quantum computing is, is a field which is really uh, nascent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very, very far probably decades away from developing a real working uh, quantum computer. Uh, Even when it will be the case, you know, quantum computers will be used in order to decrypt, but in order to crypt as well. I see. Uh, So it's today well proven that by simply doubling the the number of digits in the private key, you know, the most amazing quantum computer you could imagine would not even be able to scratch the surface of the code. Okay. So today, if you were able to, to develop a quantum computer overnight, probably this would be dangerous, but it's much more easy to decrypt the nuclear code of the US Army than to decrypt the Bitcoin. Uh, so if there was a quantum computer, I don't need to tell you that, uh, you know, all our civilization is based on cryptology. Uh, we have all of us. We have credit cards. Right. All of us, we can account. We can access uh, our bank accounts uh, via passwords, etc. So cryptology is extremely well disseminated across the globe, and uh, uh, you know, it's the the Bitcoin is probably the most secure way hmm. uh, to crypt uh, any kind of network. Okay, it is the most audited network in the world. Uh, you have thousands of hackers that are trying to hack it sure. unsuccessfully. Uh, so uh, theoretically speaking, it's millions of times more secure uh, than the way the, the U.S. government keep uh, the neutral codes. And uh, if one day there are some quantum computers, simply doubling the numbers of the digits in the private key will completely uh, buy you know, uh, 10 to the power, I don't know how much, uh, probably 10 to the power 100, uh, okay. multiply the complexity of the scheme. Right. So it's not easy to, uh, to, to deal with. It's not difficult to, to deal with that. Great. So Eve, maybe, maybe one last question. Uh, and that's really the risks posed by centralized digital currencies. When I, when I hear about uh, some, some governments and central banks, they are uh, trying to create digital currencies uh, that would allow for things like uh, taxation, uh, allow for a little bit more tracking of uh, criminal behavior that's sometimes uh, attributed to Bitcoin. Do you, do you feel that that poses any real threat to Bitcoin as, uh, as an investment thesis? What is known of those projects, it is that they will take some of the characteristics of, of the blockchain. You're right about it. But there are no, there are two of, of those characteristics that will not be taken in those projects. It is a fact that 
those work projects are going to be centralized. Yes. And that the money supply will not be limited. When in fact, in my mind, uh, the main value proposal of Bitcoin is precisely the fact that the supply of Bitcoin is limited. Great. And and uh, just to follow up, so the the lack of the ability to to track Bitcoin for both uh, uh, some of the criminal behaviors that you're seeing often, you see a hijacking that you demands payment in Bitcoin um, uh, or uh, or taxation. Do you feel like those characteristics uh, impede uh, Bitcoin's adoption, or or is it agnostic to it? I really believe it's uh, it's all about the misunderstanding. In fact. Uh, Bitcoin is not anonymous. Bitcoin is pseudonymous. The blockchain itself is a gigantic ledger of all the transactions that took place in Bitcoins. So every single transaction that took place in Bitcoin is extremely easily traceable. And you know, uh, a few weeks ago, the FBI just released a, a news, which is that they have caught seven years later a hijacker uh, that was paid in Bitcoin. So in fact, the most silly way to get paid a ransom is to get paid in Bitcoin. Because as soon as you're paid in Bitcoins, your Bitcoins are identifiable on the blockchain. And one day or another, you will be caught as soon as you wish to spend your Bitcoins. You know, I very often say that the Bitcoin is under very heavy critique, like any uh, disruptive innovation, because of a phenomena which is uh, identified as the Kubler-Ross change curve. Every time you have a disruptive innovation, there is a Kubler-Ross change that occurs. Kubler-Ross is an American psychiatrist that studied a lot the stages of grief. Hmm. Okay. And it is now well demonstrated that as soon as you have a disruptive innovation, first of all, people are shocked. Then they live in denial. Then they are angry. Then they are depressed. Then they start experimenting. They take a decision and they accept. The same stage as, as grief. In fact, the link between those two phenomena griefs and disruptive innovation is the fact that whenever you have a disruptive innovation, you need to grieve the word of before. And those who are the easiest uh, to ride in innovation are those who are able to concentrate on the merits of the innovation uh, in order to get rid uh, of those stages of grief. So uh, nowadays, uh, all uh, the KYCs or the entry money laundering uh, routines are already implemented in the crypto exchanges. And all of those, uh, you know, critiques are, are not really valid. And uh, uh, they are addressed more and more and in a better and better way in, the, in those new businesses that deal with, with crypto. Eve, thank you very much for spending the time and walking through that. You've uh, you've certainly turned me into an optimist on the on the asset class uh, that certainly has a, it seems to have the potential to become the new international standard of value, uh, and uh, and really dispelled some myths that were out there. So I appreciate you spending the time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mike.
The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.